Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to begin where we left off last week. We had a show that celebrated the 4th of July. I'm going to pick up where we left off, kind of a part two. You know, over the weekend, we saw one of the great fireworks displays. I haven't seen one like this in years. It was over a half hour long at the uh, Washington County Fairgrounds in Greenwich, and it put me in mind of my youth. My parents loved the 4th. They used to take us to the uh, fireworks displays back in Charlton, or I guess Boston Spa, at the fairgrounds there, and it was it was like that. It was something really, really special. Now, my mother used to celebrate all the holidays, but especially the 4th. She'd dress up in her red, white, and blue uniform or her red, white, and blue outfits, bake pies, had her sun hats. She loved it. And it kind of put me in mind of years past. It was it was unbelievable. It was a memory I'll have for the rest of my life. And uh, we had some kids in the village go with us. A couple of my uh, my children, their friends, they went with us. It was a just a really great night. And I, it put me in mind to the the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence. And I think we all know this line, or we should. We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That says a lot, those couple of sentences. First of all, there is a God, and we derive our just rights from that God. And over the past year or so, we've seen the evils of communism firsthand. Here in America, months of riots all over, pretty much in every city of the country, most big cities in the country. Portland, Oregon is still, looks like a war zone. A former president of the United States being outright banned and censored by nearly every major social media platform. So these words from the Declaration, I think, mean more when you, when you read them. They're more powerful now than ever. And, I, you know, there's this push, and I mentioned this last week, to minimize July 4th, its significance and the celebration of America as a country unequal. There is no other country in the world like America. Why? Because we celebrate the individual, the freedom enjoyed by the individual from any intrusion by government. Inalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A declaration doesn't guarantee us happiness, doesn't guarantee us happiness, but rather the right to pursue it in any way we deem. However we define happiness, we're, we have a right to pursue it, as long as we don't infringe on somebody else's right to do the same. Why do I say all this? Well, 36, and I said this last week, that younger people, I said people under age 30 are less, I, I don't want to say they're less patriotic, it's a generalization, but there's a poll out this week that shows only 36% of young adults are proud of America. And I think most of us are patriotic. 36% of respondents ages 18 to 24 said they were very or extremely proud to be American. That's according to uh, a new Issues and Insights Technometrica Institute of Policy and Politics survey. That made the age group the only tracked demographic in which pride falls below 50%. The poll found almost an identical percentage, 35% of the 18 to 24 group say they are only slightly or not proud at all to be an American. Now, why would that be? I think it's because of what they're learning in school, in our government schools that we pay dearly for. I mean, how else would they be raised with that kind of a, that kind of a view of America? And the results prompted, as somebody had written, insights to invoke the former President Reagan's observation that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. 
Reagan said, we didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It's got to be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. It's scary, but we're getting to a point where our young people, and it's, I may not see it in my lifetime, but you might see it or your children may, may see it, my children may see it. We have to fight for our freedoms. We just can't fight once and have our freedoms forever. Somebody said, and I always remembered this, it's like a mortgage on a house. You don't pay one mortgage payment and have your house free and clear. You have to keep on making the payments or you lose your house. And, and freedom and liberty is the same, it's the same thing. Anyway, this poll, I and I and TIP determined the percentage of people who are extremely or very proud to be an American. Among the age groups, those 65 and up, 86% had the most people who responded favorably, followed by the age group 45 to 64, 75%, and 25 to 44, 59%. So, I mean, I'm not going to read all the, the, uh, the numbers to you, but the younger the group polled, the less they were proud of their country. I just found that interesting. And in terms of political ideology, conservatives, as you may expect, 81% as a group were more extremely or very proud to be American than moderates at 66% and liberals at 55. I think 55 is a high number, to be honest with you, for liberals. This same poll also found 24% of liberals say they are only somewhat proud or are not proud at all to be American. Only 4% of conservatives and 6% of moderates say the same. Uh, the recent climate of racial tension in this country apparently showed in the uh, tip poll, 73% of whites, 56% of blacks and Hispanics answered favorably. However, only 7% of blacks and 9% of Hispanics say they are not proud at all of their nationality. So, I mean, there's a lot there in that poll, but anyway, I found it inter interesting. There is a county in Nevada that has moved to name a stretch of road after former President Trump. I love this. Could you imagine this happening in New York State? <laughs> not on your life. Lyon County commissioners voted four to one late last week to change old Dayton Valley Road to President Trump Way, according to the Carson Now. Uh, and the Republican commissioner of Lyon County, Ken Gray, said, according to the Washington Examiner, President Trump was a good leader as far as I'm concerned. He supported law enforcement. He supported our military. He supported the rurals. And you know, that's significant what he said, the rurals, meaning people who live in the country. I think that's one of the biggest divides we have in the country. It's not so much black and white, although it is black and white to some degree, thanks to the left. They're, they're just keep instigating and inciting the racial uh, divide in this country. But I think there's a huge divide between urban and rural. We see it here in New York. I, I, it's especially acute in Albany. I work for the legislature, as I've told you a million times, and I, and I listen to some of the debates on the floor of the assembly, and I listen to some of the New York City members and what they perceive to be the important issues. Uh, for the state. Of course, everything revolves around Manhattan and basically the five boroughs. If anything outside the five boroughs, they don't deem it important. And those of us here upstate, our representatives, they do the best they can, but they they uh, fight for some of the things that we need to uh, have addressed. We have, live in a very disparate state. I mean, different uh, age groups and, and nationalities and everything. But I mean, there is a rural and uh, uh, an urban divide here in New York State and pretty much every state. And just continuing on this uh, this vein here, we're talking about patriotism. And I remember George Foreman, big George Foreman, one of the great heavyweight champions of all time, one of the most feared 
heavyweight champs of all time. This guy knocked out Joe Frazier twice when Frazier was uh, the champion in 1973. And in January of 73, he knocked Frazier down seven times in two fights. And, uh, and I love Joe Frazier. George Foreman was, uh, he was something in the ring. He, I think he was among the hardest hitters of all time. Anyway, he said uh, this past Sunday he's been, been pressured to stop publicly saying that he loves the U.S., but he's going to do so anyway. So anyway, if this, is, this has been going on for half a century with George Foreman. He said, for 54 years, people have asked me to, not to keep saying I love America. This is what he posted to Twitter on Independence Day. Well, I do, and I'm not ashamed. Don't leave it. Love it. Happy Fourth of July. This is what he put in this post. I mean, this I, George Foreman has been a, a loyal, patriotic American for his entire life. And I remember back in 1968 when he fought in the Olympics, got a gold medal. He crushed this Russian heavyweight in the Olympics. And as he was getting his award, he was waving little American flag, stood up there on the podium and waved it. And this was at the same time that the two American sprinters, John Carlos, I think it was John Carlos, and Tommy Smith, they gave the Black Power salute. They stood up on the podium with their heads down and their fists raised. And uh, and that's what grabbed all the headlines. But George went up there, got his gold medal, and he waved old glory. And uh, George Foreman is just a class individual. That shows you where we've come, uh, from from how, how we've fallen in, in these many years. You shouldn't have to defend yourself. But we live in a country in which a lot of Americans now are afraid to express their patriotism because they... I think people on the left think view uh, these uh, outward signs or these overt signs of patriotism as somehow rude. Or so you're going to offend somebody by saying you love America. Well, offend somebody. People don't have a right not to be offended. You're going to offend some. This program will offend somebody, no doubt. That's how it goes. People are offended. Tough. Get get used to it. Grow up. If it if it, if it offends you to to hear me say I love America, then be offended. Don't listen. Shifting gears here, but I love George Foreman. He is, uh, he's no doubt a character and a great American. There can be little dispute that voter registration rolls and ballot security rules across this country are flawed in ways that don't benefit conservatives, that, that benefit the left, as we saw in November of 2016. There's a Pew Center on the state's study and found that, listen to this, 2.75 million people, the exact number, 2,758,000 578 individuals were registered to vote in more than one state. How does that happen? We were told by the Dems and by the media there was no voter fraud. Everything was on the up and up. We have faith in our, in our system. This is America. We do this well, as one PSA put it. In addition, 12.7 million records nationwide are out of date and include over 1.8 million records for people who are no longer living. About 24 million registration records, or nearly 13% of the national total, are estimated to be inaccurate or of no longer valid. Hans Spakowski has revealed some districts with 10% phony registration addresses and aliens ineligible to vote. But they voted. But we're told that it didn't make a difference. There was no, no, uh, no fraud, no voter fraud. Everything was, you know, on the up and up. Joe Biden got 81 million votes. And uh, he beat Donald Trump fairly and squarely. Well, I don't believe it. The vehemence with which progressive politicians, I mean, they're Marxists. Let's, let's call them for what they are. They attack any legitimate border security. Why would they do that? 
Wouldn't you want to secure the borders of your nation? You're not a nation if you don't have secure borders. We are a sovereign nation with 50 sovereign states. The liberals and the globalists, they hate that word sovereign. This system, the way it's set up, and we have Stacey Abrams down in Georgia and some of these other uh, high-profile liberals saying that we there's voter fraud and, and, the, and Republicans want to suppress the vote and they're racist and everything else. They want to suppress the vote. They want to suppress your vote. Progressives, they, they don't want us to shore up the voting irregularities. They want things the way they are. They, they love the fraud, especially in the large cities like Philadelphia. It gives them the vote. And they're fighting against any rational measures for ID cards. All to a man and woman, these, these Marxist politicians, all Democrats. I mean, it's just common sense that you have an ID, that you show an identification before you cast a ballot. You need an ID to, for, to get a driver's license, to, to fly on an airplane. Yeah, if you're 21 years of age, you have to show your ID if you want to buy an alcoholic beverage. You need an ID if you want to cast a ballot. It's not hard. It's just common sense, I think. But anyway. And finally, World Net Daily has a good piece today about the coronavirus and the, the government's handling of it, our ruling elite specifically. These people have been lying to us, I think, all along. Now, a year and a half when this started, this whole business started, nobody knew anything. I mean, this hit us at a left field, and you have to cut, cut people some slack, even the government, even the CDC. They were just learning as they were going along, and we were following, following the protocols as they laid them down. And of course, the protocols would change. You know, you don't wear a mask, then you have to wear a mask. And Fauci said double mask. And, you know, the whole thing was ridiculous. And like I said, you had to cut them some slack because they didn't know what this was. We've never faced anything quite like this. SARS-2 has been around for a long time. But this, this virus, I think, somehow escaped from a lab in Wuhan, whether intentionally it was let loose or whatever. Uh, that's a, you know, a discussion for another time. But I mean, I think the government really, a lot of people think they li- they've been lying to us about this pandemic. Not just a lie, but a big lie. Intentionally, they meant to deceive and manipulate entire populations. You know, the Great Reset, I'm sure you've heard about that. But th- there, were, there were safe and effective and inexpensive and readily available medications that were uh, successful in treating people with COVID-19. Invermectin was one, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Invermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Those two drugs taken together were very successful in treating a lot of people with COVID-19. I think uh, President Trump had those two drugs. He had hydroxychloroquine. He may have had Invermectin, but we were not allowed to take that here in New York State. The governor wouldn't permit it. Why, why not? What, because they're trying to force everybody to get these vaccines. Now, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, as I've said, and I'll probably at some point when the FDA officially approves the vaccines, maybe I'll get the vaccine, maybe in the fall or winter or, what, or whenever. But that's going to be my decision. It's not going to be made for me. But these other drugs, uh, Invermectin and hydroxychloroquine, we know are safe for most people. Now, some people have had negative reactions to them, but they've had negative reactions, a lot of people, to these, these vaccines as well. Again, the, uh, the title of the piece on WorldNet Daily, Ending the Pandemic, How Vaccine Mania and Lust for Power Led to the All-Out Suppression of Proven Safe and Effective COVID-19 Treatments. That's all we have time for. Hey, if you want to check out all the fine shows we have for you on the BMG Network, you can do that. Go to bmgnetwork.com. If you want to contact me directly, you can email me 
Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, all lowercase, at the BMG network.com. We have columns up there for you, the pack perspective. I try to do at least a column a week. We'll have one for you this week. So read the columns. Uh, Ken Burns has a, a fine column he puts up there too. Uh, and you can check his columns out. Uh, Adrian Ross also writes. Adrian Ross has a, a podcast, as does Ken. Ken has his own podcast, The Ken Burns Show. He has one with Mike Hansen. The Ken and Mike Show, and of course, Mic'd Up with Mike Hansen, and this show, the Pac-Man Podcast. And we'll uh, talk to you, if the good Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.